The text for this sermon this afternoon is from Lord's Day 32, under the heading, Our Thankfulness, the first Lord's Day on that section of the Catechism. So let's read that now. Question and answer 86 and 87. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impotent walk of life? By no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. The sermon that I'm about to read is uh, from Reverend Bauman, and after we read the sermon, let us sing a psalm of response, Psalm 37, verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, why need we bother doing good works? That's really the question of our Lord's Day today. As we read it at the end of question 86, why must we yet do good works? We all know from our daily experiences that it's a struggle always to do only good works. How much easier we feel would life be if we would be able to do our own thing? Wouldn't have to watch our behavior. Why need we bother doing good works? What makes the question the more intriguing is a statement embodied in question 86 of our Lord's Day. That question includes this statement. We have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own. There's the material of Lord's Day 23. We are righteous before God only by true faith in Jesus Christ. That is, his righteousness is written onto my account so that I am forgiven of my sins and acceptable to God, so I don't have to do anything to be saved. Indeed, I contribute nothing to my salvation since Christ has already obtained salvation for me. It's precisely that gospel of salvation without works that makes the question of our Lord's Day so pressing. Since we are already saved through the sacrifice of Christ, why must we yet do good works? In all the pressures of life, isn't the matter of doing works a hassle we don't need? Ought we not to leave each other alone, free to do our own thing? Our Lord's Day, brothers and sisters, confesses scripture to teach that good works, while they don't contribute a thing to our salvation, are nevertheless part and parcel of the life of the everyday Christian. In fact, Christians cannot help but do good works, invariably shall do good works. This is the gospel to which we may listen this afternoon. I use this theme. Those redeemed by Christ shall do good works. They are done for God 
for ourselves and for the neighbor. So then the first point, good works are done for God. To explain why we are to do good works, the Catechism asks attention for the fact that we are renewed by Christ's Spirit to be his image. To understand the meaning of the Catechism on the point, we shall need to turn to the beginning of Scripture, where we first read of God's creating man in the image and likeness of God, Genesis 1. From that chapter we learn that God's creating man in his image does not mean that God is created a has created a creature that looks like God, from that chapter we rather learn that man was charged to rule over the world as God would. That's what being image is all about. As image of God, it was the task of man to represent God on earth. Through the way people took care of God's creation, through the way Adam and Eve acted, all creation could see what God was like as image of God. Adam and Eve were to image God to show the creatures in the Garden of Eden the same care that God would show, the same goodness that God would show, the same faithfulness, kindness, etc. The conduct and attitudes of the human race should form a clear picture of the characteristics of the Creator. The fall into sin destroyed man's ability to show to the rest of the world what God was like. With that fall, we deserted God and joined Satan. Scripture uses graphic terms to describe what became, what we became when we joined Satan. Says the Bible, we became dead in Ephesians 2, corrupt, able to do only evil. That means, in turn, that fallen man is not able to image God anymore. Romans 3 says, Sinners are not righteous. Sinners do not do good. Sinners speak lies. Sinners kill. Sinners utter curses and bitterness. Sinners hate. This is not what God is like. So a person dead in sin, and by nature we are all dead in sin, we all fell, cannot image God. A sinner cannot be kind as God is kind, cannot be gracious as God is gracious, cannot be truthful as God is truthful, cannot be faithful as God is faithful, cannot be holy as God is holy. A person dead in sin cannot image God anymore. The sinner who has joined Satan instead images Satan, reflects what Satan is like. That in turn means that attention of the creation after the fall, when it saw man, was directed not to the glorious creator, it was directed instead to the creature Satan. So God was not glorified as ought. Satan received the glory. Man, created in the image of God, had in the fall become the image of Satan. The Lord God, in mercy most wonderful, sent his only begotten Son into the world to ransom sinners from their bondage to Satan. Through his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ paid for sin so that in turn his elect can appear in God's holy presence. Though these elect do not deserve it, for we remain sinful, God imputes to them the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, so that these elect are judged righteous before God. That is what Lord's Day 23, we are righteous before God only through faith in Jesus Christ. This is strictly God's boundless grace. Children of Satan are adopted to be children of God. Sinners are made righteous, just, 
This whole notion of sinners being transferred in Christ from Satan's side to God's side, this whole notion of sinners being declared righteous before God is known by the technical term justification. But now a question, beloved. When God, in mercy, takes sinners from Satan's side back to God's side, when he declares sinners righteous for Christ's sake, do these people remain dead in sin? Do we stay the image of Satan that we become as a result of the fall into sin? That's now the point of our Lord's Day. It is not true that because Christ's sacrifice we are declared righteous before God, and that is it. No. After God takes us from Satan's hand and makes sinners his people, after he washes away sins for Christ's sake and declares sinners righteous before him, then God also changes those whom he has saved. As children of Satan, we were dead in sin. But when God takes people dead in sin and forgives their sin, adopts them to be his children, brings them back to his side, then he also regenerates them, renews them, makes them a new creation, causes them to be born again. Children reflect what the parents are like. When God adopts us to be his children, he also changes us in such a way that we are made to reflect what our Father in heaven is like. I draw your attention to the prophecies of Ezekiel. Old Testament Israel had lived in sin, with as a result that God sent them into exile. But in exile, God sent to them the prophet, who has to say to the Israelites not only that God will gather together the people he has scattered, Ezekiel has to tell them also that God will give them a new heart. Says God through the prophet, I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 11, verse 19. That stony heart is descriptive of a heart dead in sin. A stony heart doesn't do anything. is dead. God promises to make these unbelieving Israelites alive again. Give them a heart that lives. This is change, is a renewal, is a making alive. Jesus speaks in the same line to Nicodemus. Building on this revelation from the Old Testament, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, verse 3. When Jesus mentions to Nicodemus also who it is that causes the change in the sinner, who it is that recreates, regenerates, converts the person, for Jesus speaks of being born of the Spirit. John 3, verse 8. That whole package of change, of being born again, recreated, converted, renewed, regenerated, is known by the technical term sanctification. Let it be clear to you, brothers and sisters, everyone who benefits from the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary, everyone who is taken by Christ from Satan's side to God's side, everyone who is ransomed from slavery of the devil and made a child of God is also changed. Regenerated, given a new heart. Justification and sanctification are two different things, definitely. But you cannot separate the two. Every person saved by the blood of Christ is also renewed by the Spirit of God. You can't have the one and not the other. Listen to what Paul says to the Romans. We read in chapter 8, says Paul, If we belong to Christ, in other words, if we have been made righteous before God for Christ's sake, then the Spirit of Christ also dwells in us. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, 
he is not his. And the Holy Spirit, let that be fixed in your minds, does not dwell in a person still enslaved to Satan, does not dwell in a person still dead in sin. He dwells only in those washed by the blood of Christ, those adopted by God to be his children, those declared righteous through the blood of Christ. When the Spirit of Christ comes to dwell in the heart of a sinner, that person is born again, made a new creature. The old has passed away, the new has come. He is changed. But if the old has passed away and the new has come, if a sinner has been renewed by the Spirit of Christ, he cannot live any longer as a child of Satan. Change means change. That's why the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians lists both the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, he contrasts the two. The flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 17. And he adds, those who practice the things of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 21. Though the works of the flesh characterize the natural child of Satan, the the child of God is changed. Changed so that he produces different conduct. conduct. As to what the difference really is, Ezekiel, in that passage, passage mentioned earlier, puts it this way. Those who have received a new heart will walk in God's statutes and keep his ordinance, and obey them. Ezekiel 11, verse 20. That's the difference, beloved. Those still on Satan's side, those not saved by the blood of Christ, and therefore not renewed by his spirit, do not keep the commandments of God. They do not serve God alone, nor serve him only as he has commanded. They do not stay away from all abuse of God's name, do not talk up his glory in all they do. True, Not all those on Satan's side act in an equal evil manner. Not all kill, as did the gunner of Port Arthur. But those on Satan's side do not reflect in their words and deeds what God is like. They reflect instead something of what Satan is like. God's people are different. Because of the renewing work of God, the Holy Spirit, they obey the commandments of God. And by obeying these commandments, the child of God reflects what God is like. He, is no, he has no other gods before the Lord because he knows there is only one God. A child of God does not kill, does not hate, loves his neighbor instead. Why? Because God loves. A child of God does not commit adultery, is instead faithful to his spouse. Why? Because God is faithful. Obedience to the law means that the child of God images what his heavenly father is like. Does that mean that the life of the true Christian shall be perfect, or nearly so? Far from it, beloved. Yes, the Christian has been renewed by the Spirit of the Lord, and as such, he is to live by the Spirit in righteousness. But Peter, true believer, fell into gross sin. David, a man after God's heart, fell into gross sin. Paul says of himself that he cannot will what is right. Paul says of himself that he can will what is right, but he finds it so terribly hard to do it. Daily, he needs the forgiveness of sins. So it is with us. Recall the Lord's Supper form. We do not come to this supper to declare that we are perfect and righteous in ourselves. We are aware of our many sins and shortcomings. We do not have perfect faith, and we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. Daily, we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Yet, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are 
heartily sorry for these shortcomings and desire to fight against our unbelief and to live according to all the commandments of God. No, beloved, the person renewed by the Spirit of Christ is not perfect. More on that, the Lord willing, next week. It is not the absence of sin, not even the relative absence of sin that determines whether one is a child of God, but it's the presence of faith. And faith is demonstrated by the fact that one is renewed, and renewal is evidenced by the desire to do good works. We are not as faithful, not as gracious, not as holy as we are commanded to be. We, we image God most imperfectly. Yet it is so that with earnest purpose, we begin to live not only according to some, but to all the commandments of God. Lord's Day 44, question answer 114. Despite our sins, that's the desire which the Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts. Why then, brothers and sisters, must we do good works? The reason is so very simple. In the words of our Lord's Day, because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by its Holy Spirit to be his image. There's the reason. Though we made ourselves children of Satan through our fall into sin, God sent his Son to ransom us from Satan's power. So complete is his saving work in Christ that God was not content for his children to remain dead in sin. He rather sent his Spirit to renew to recreate, to change us. He has given us a new heart, enabled us to live in a way pleasing to him, and so I am to be what I am. I am renewed, and therefore I have to act renewed. I am a child of God, and therefore I have to act as a child of God. The indicative demands the imperative. It is also very simple, and so very wonderful. Our second point, good works are done for ourselves. Beyond this first reason, the Catechism mentions a second reason why we are to do good works. Says answer 86, Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits. I said already that one has either a heart dead in sin or a heart renewed by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians about works of the flesh and works of the Spirit. The Apostle makes it clear that the works of the flesh arise out of a heart still dead in sin. They come from a person who is still in the grasp of the evil one. The works of the Spirit, on the other hand, arise out of a heart that has been recreated by the Spirit of God. What does this mean? This, by one's conduct, one can receive an assurance where one is child of God or not. A person who revels in lies, licentiousness, enmity, drunkenness, etc., is not a child of God. He is not a child of God because he does not do the works of God. He instead does the works of Satan. On the other hand, a person who keeps the law of the Lord, not just in the external things of not killing, not stealing, obeying parents, etc., but who keeps the spirit of the law, is going to demonstrate love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, etc., As such, he shows himself to be a child of God. He reflects what the Father is like, and so there is the evidence that the Holy Spirit has taken out the heart of stone and given a new heart. It comes down to this. Your conduct demonstrates what you are. Or to use an expression from the Lord, you know the tree by its fruit. It's because conduct demonstrates what one is that one can observe a person's works and conclude from those works whether or not he shall be saved. 
justification and sanctification cannot be separated. Any person who has been ransomed from the power of the devil and made righteous before God is also changed, is also renewed. And equally, every person who is changed, renewed, has also been delivered from the power of the devil, made righteous before God. It's because of that connection that Paul can tell the Galatians so categorically that those who do the works of the flesh shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5 verse 21. Or in the words of the catechism, no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, shall inherit the kingdom of God. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God because their works testify to the fact that they have not been sanctified by the Spirit of Christ and so have not been justified through the blood of Christ either. They are still Satan's property. And it's because of that same connection between justification and sanctification that Paul can say, just as categorically, that for those who live by the Spirit, there is no law. Or stronger, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Such persons have been ransomed from Satan, made children of God, and renewed by the Holy Spirit. And that renewal must, be, must of necessity show up. So their works give evidence that they have life with God and that they shall inherit the kingdom of God. It is that reality, brothers and sisters, that provides each Christian with the opportunity to look at himself in the mirror of God's law. The honest Christian will see much sin, yes, but the man of faith will see also the evidence of the Spirit's renewing work in his life. There are presents in his life the fruits of the Spirit, imperfect, definitely, but present nevertheless, and that gives to the believer cause for joy. Here is evidence that the Holy Spirit works in him. And the word of God is clear. The Spirit of the Lord does not renew anyone who belongs to Satan. Who has not been chosen to life. So the believer finds reassurance for his faith in the works he sees in himself. Amidst all the sin that remains, there is godly sorrow for sin. There is a heartfelt desire to image God. As the Catechism says, as, as the Catechism says it, one is assured of his faith by its fruit, or the canons of Dort. Assurance of faith is produced, among other ways also, by the serious and holy pursuit of a good conscience and good works. Why do good works? By doing good works, beloved, we produce evidence for ourselves that, yes, we have received from the Lord the gifts of faith. In the face of life's struggles, in the face of the weaknesses we still see in ourselves, seeing fruits of faith in ourselves gives encouragement. And then the third point, good works are done for the neighbor. Finally, our Lord's Day mentions the third reason why we ought to do good works. It says, answer 86, that by our godly walk of life, we may win our neighbors for Christ. Here the catechism comes full circle. God has created the human race to image him, to act as he acted, so that in turn all creation might know what kind of God there was in heaven, might know who he was. With the fall into sin, the entire human race rejected God in favor of serving Satan. God in mercy saved some, not all. These some, the believers of today, have been renewed by the Holy Spirit, have been enabled to function again as the image of God. The others, the unbelievers of today, have not. 
Now it is for those changed by the renewing work of the Spirit of Christ to live as changed, renewed persons. Why? So that those who still live in darkness might see from God's children something of what God is like, and in turn be prompted to praise this God. It's what Peter says. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. The thought is repeated elsewhere by the same apostle. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observed your chaste conduct. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. It is the will of God that all creation, all people included, see something of what God is like. By the grace of God, their seeing in God's people something of what God is like will prompt them to come to serve the only God. Then it's undoubtedly true, beloved, that doing good works in a world of evil is far from easy. Always to obey the commands of God, always reflecting what God is like. It's not easy when others laugh, when there is a a cost involved in staying obedient. But you are to know, beloved, that you have been renewed by the Holy Spirit and so made able to image God. Precisely because you've been enabled to image God, make it your your business, brothers and sisters, to do it. The promise of God is that he gives strength. Go then in the strength of that promise and do good works. Image God in all you do. Do it for God's glory, your own comfort, and the neighbor's salvation. Soon the Son of God returns on the clouds of heaven. Then shall be perfected what has been in essence already. Sorry, then shall be perfected what we have in essence already. Then we shall be fully, totally renewed, made able to image God perfectly. Amen.